0: It's a wonderful thing to praise God together. I say that often, but I mean it often. And we're blessed to be able to do that. Uh, Turn with me to 1 Peter this morning, 1 Peter chapter 3, and we're down around uh, verse 7. And uh, two weeks ago, we were on verse 7. And like I said, ladies, we finally got to the men. Okay, we got to the men down in verse 7. So you you ladies had to uh, endure, uh, and I say that affectionately, not negatively, (laughs) had six verses uh, for you ladies. And we have only one verse for us men here. And uh, some of you men, I know one skipped out on vacation that very weekend. Uh, I'm, I'm looking right at him. He's not looking at me, but I kind of wonder, did he, did he go on vacation that weekend? Because, because we were going to get the verse 7. So, uh, but if, if uh, some of you men were not here, I very seldom say this. It's, you know, it's weird to promote your own preaching, but if some of you men were not here, I'd really encourage you to back up two weeks. We did a Lord's Supper last Sunday, so that's why you need to back up two weeks. And you need to listen to the the first message addressed to us men uh, from two weeks ago. And, and I think you'll be, you'll be challenged, but you'll also be encouraged. And both of those things are important. Uh, that's what the Lord does for us. He puts you in the weight room. You know, He challenges you and He encourages you. And... And as his disciples, we are in the weight room our entire lives. And Jesus is far more interested in making you holy than making your life easy. He just is. That's what he's all about. Uh, God's purpose to conform us to the image of Jesus himself. So we're, we're back on verse 7. There's a few things we didn't conclude. So we considered two Sundays ago, Peter's encouraging husbands with these words, Husbands, likewise, dwell with them, referring to your wives, dwell with them with understanding, giving honor to the wife, as to the weaker vessel, and as being heirs together of the grace of life, that your prayers may not be hindered. So we have a few more things to consider here. Remember, you know, husbands, they also receive the likewise exhortation. He began that way. Likewise, for the Lord's sake, fearing God. Remember the whole context before Peter introduced all of these specific examples. We had those higher level principles. You are to fear God. You are to trust God. You are to walk with God. And that becomes the basis of how you engage in all these other relationships. And that's the likewise in the text. You're probably tired of hearing me say that, but that's the difference between moralist and the gospel. That likewise points us to those fundamental things about the gospel. Out of that flow, our morality. And uh, we'll never reverse that order. May, may God help us never reverse that order. And Peter says, dwell with your wives with understanding or with knowledge. And we looked a couple weeks ago. We need a knowledge of women in general. Women are different. God made men and women different in various ways, more than just in the realm of physical strength. They're different in many different ways, and that was perfect by God's design. And we use the word we're complementarianisms. We're, we're complementarians. We like we believe in giving compliments. No, that's not. That's not what a complementarian is. A complementarian is like pieces of a puzzle. The pieces are different, but they they fit together and they make a whole. Okay, and that's how men and women are designed. They're two different pieces, and they're different, but they're designed to fit right together and make a greater whole and that's how God made us as men and women sin has gotten in there and mucked things up but we need a knowledge of women in general because God has made them different but we also need to have a knowledge of your wife in particular Okay, you don't need to know very many women. You don't need to know any women, really, other than one. (laughs) And that is your wife. And you should become students of your wife to get to know her. Okay? Men... That's what you should be. You should get to know. You should dwell with your wife according to knowledge, meaning you need to get to know her. And if you think you do, you're making a mistake. Okay? Unless you've been married 60 years, okay? (laughs) But even then, we change. But you don't know your wives, men, as deeply and as thoroughly as you can. Okay. They are unplumbable. <laughs> the depths, the, the emotional depths and the connections are just deep. Okay. So, so we are encouraged to dwell with our wives according to knowledge. So that means you get, get to know your particular wife and, and, and be interested in your wife that way. That's what love does. And, and, and if you want your wife To feel loved. Be interested in her. Alright? Okay? That will convince your wife that you love her. Is if you are interested in her. Okay? The Lord is interested in us, isn't He? The Lord Jesus is deeply interested in every one of us as we are His bride, aren't we? Okay, and reflect that in dwell with your wife according to knowledge. And then the third area we worked on was not only according to knowledge of your wife in particular, but a knowledge of the marriage relationship as God intends it to be. You need to increase in your knowledge of that, the marriage relationship as God intends it to be. Well, Peter goes on, giving honor to the wife, he said, giving honor to the wife as being heirs together of the grace of life. Now, it was a little technical, but I want to repeat it. Peter didn't use the common term for wife when he says giving honor to the wife, thus simply meaning giving honor to my wife or your wife. That doesn't quite convey what Peter said the term that he used here the ESV text points that out that nuance by translating it like this showing honor to the woman Okay, showing honor to the woman in other words the characteristic nature of womanhood or femininity should receive special honor that's what he's saying The the characteristic of femininity should receive special honor, giving honor to the woman, the female one. Now this is quite significant because you are to honor your wife not only because she is your wife, but because she is a woman. The feminine one. That's different, isn't it? That is. Biblical femininity, and I'm not defining that in any detail in this message, but is to be honored. Is to be honored. So what that means in practice, men, is that you should express appreciation and acknowledgement for the female characteristics of your wives. God has given your wives special female characteristics by design, and you should appreciate those and express that appreciation to your husband. Okay, and I used the illustration a couple weeks ago, you know, your wives kind of mother you. They don't want you to get hurt. Hey, go with it, guys. You're not too macho to be mothered sometimes, all right? (laughs) Especially like that. I don't want you to... You're going to go up on the roof? You better be careful. You know, and you... uh, No. That's one of those... Women are protective, and, and they're protective of you. And they don't want you to get hurt. You know, when I work that one out with my wife, I realize how to, how to answer that. Instead of just pushing back, I go, oh, honey, I don't want to get hurt either. <laughs> okay? I don't want to get electrocuted. <laughs> so, in other words, um, you should think about that, okay? Those specific characteristics of your wives. Now, rather than disliking them, sadly because of sin, what happens is men sometimes make fun of those characteristics in women, don't we? Don't we, men? Don't we do that? We make fun of some of those unique female characteristics. That's not good, okay? And we as sinners do that with all kinds of things. We make distinctions and exalt ourselves and think we're better because we're different. And so don't do that. I would say get to know your wife and appreciate giving honor to the woman, to the female one. So, such honoring of the feminine one who is your wife would, this is a quote. You know, don't don't blame me for this. I I forget who this is. I'll protect him, but this is a quote. It's not in this building, okay? <laughs> quote: Such honoring of the feminine one who is your wife would also include making her the highest priority in your allocation of time and money. End quote. I never thought I would go to church and the pastor would tell my husband, Hey, fork it over. (laughs) More money. (laughs) End quote. Now, whether that means buying her pearls or not is another question. Remember the pearls controversy that, that we started back weeks ago? You know, I recently learned something these days. I learned that these days there are synthetic pearls and real pearls. The real ones are very expensive. And the synthetic pearls did not exist when Paul wrote 1 Timothy 2. There were no synthetic pearls. So I'm back to my original statement. (laughs) I don't think anyone here owns pearls of the original variety. Okay, so there's the challenge. I've thrown that back. Uh, We're not talking about these synthetic cultural pearls. Paul was talking about the real deal there in 1 Timothy. So so whether honoring your wife... uh, in time and money includes buying her real pearls or not? I'm, I'm not sure. You'll have to work that out. So. so, but regarding honor, Peter has a specific matter in mind. Pearls aside, Peter continues giving honor to the wife as being heirs together of the grace of life. Peter wants to ensure that all men shed the ungodly religious attitudes that men were somehow in a higher standing before God than women. That's what he's challenging men to shed. Not so. They are fellow heirs, joint heirs of the grace of life. Like the rabbi who prayed thanking God that God didn't make him a woman. That attitude was very prevalent. That somehow in in our relationship to the true God, men are in a higher, more important standing than women. That's what Peter is driving at in that statement. Giving honor to the wife as being Joint heirs together of the grace of life. Roles being different does not imply any inequality in status of importance before God. When Paul reproves the Judaizers for making distinctions which God does not make, remember what he states? There is neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free. And he also includes there is neither what? Male or female in that statement. Now what does he mean? Were there no Jews and Greeks living? Well, of course there were Jews and Greeks. (laughs) Were there no slaves and freedmen living? Well, of course there was. Was there no men and women living? Well, of course there was. So what does he mean? There is neither Jew nor Greek nor slave nor free nor male nor female there are no distinctions between them in the sight of God, okay? As far as status and importance and objects of Him being... They, they worship with Him. There's no religious, I don't know what other words to use, hierarchy here, okay? And Paul really comes out strong and, and you can see that the the type of thing that was going on between Jew and Greek, that same attitude was going on, you know, the Jew was superior to the Greek. Well, that same attitude's going on between male and female. The male is superior to the female. And Paul says, no. The gospel obliterates those man-made distinctions. Giving honor to the wife as joint heirs of the grace of life. Okay? Wives are joint heirs. Husbands, remember your wife ultimately belongs to God, not you. Okay? I mean, you see real ugly expressions at times of supposedly Christian men. Okay? Your wives don't belong to you. They're not property. Okay? They're not. They belong to God. Purchased by Him. Owned by Him. Okay? She is a servant of Christ, the king's daughter. Indeed, the king's bride. And she is being made into His image. She is a disciple of Jesus Christ. There's no distinction. Her legal heirship to the kingdom is in no way conditioned or dependent upon her being your wife. Mm. Got it? I'll read that again. Her legal heirship to the kingdom is in no way conditioned or dependent upon her being your wife. You and she stand on exactly the same footing before God in regard to all of these matters. Heirs of the grace of life. That is a very rich expression describing all the blessings of salvation which all believers in Christ enjoy. Heirs together Heirs of the grace of life. Your wives will receive an inheritance from their father. The blessings of salvation are often represented in Scripture as receiving an inheritance. As receiving an inheritance. And this figure, receiving an inheritance, conveys two very special ideas. That is, one, a special relationship exists to the one granting the inheritance. Your wife is the daughter of the Lord, and she's going to receive an inheritance. Inheritance, a special relationship exists to the one granting the inheritance. And of course, we men are the sons of the Lord, and we shall receive an inheritance as well. The daughters and the sons receive, are you ready? The same inheritance. Okay? This is no longer the firstborn male in the Mosaic Covenant. Ah, I wonder how many of you thought that as soon as I said that that receive the greater inheritance, not in the kingdom of God. (laughs) That might function some ways in the kingdom of men, but between us and God, we receive, male, female, the joint, the same inheritance, without distinction. Now that is radical stuff for first century A.D. It really is. This is a radical elevation of women to their proper biblical status. The gospel does that. And that's what we have in this text. The other thing about receiving an inheritance or heirs is that what we receive is free. It's free and gracious, isn't it? You don't earn an inheritance. It's free and gracious. So... Peter tells us that our wives are joint heirs together with Christ. So, right attitudes in this regard do point out the responsibility and the opportunity of wives to walk with God, regardless of their husband's behavior. Right? You like that status? All right, it comes with responsibility. And it comes with the responsibility, as women, you are to walk with God as a disciple of Christ with or without your husband. Not conditioned on your husband. That relationship between you and God is not conditioned on your husband. Okay? You are Christ's disciples. So you're responsible that way. Her relationship, men with God, does not function through her husband. He is no mediator, priest, or prophet. Right? Yes, your husband does have responsibility to instruct, to nurture, to lead, to protect his wife. But she is a fellow heir of the grace of life. God's promises and commands are to her directly and she is to trust and call upon God in her own stead. God is her God. That great covenant promise, I will be your God and you shall be my people. So God is her God and she is one of his people. So, and I repeat that, Husbands are not mediators, priests, or prophets. They are to instruct, absolutely. You have a responsibility to lead and instruct your wife, to nurture them, to lead, protect, and so forth. All of those things. Men need to step up and do that and be an example of that. Okay? Yeah. Well, Peter's final word is surprising, and it comes in the following statement. Giving honor to the wife that your prayers may not be hindered. It's like, wow, that just pops out of nowhere all of a sudden. And uh, But there it is giving honor to the wife that your prayers may not be hindered. Peter gives husbands a motive and a warning. Is going to motivate husbands, you know, treat your wife right so that your prayers are not hindered. That's quite a warning and motive. Some have thought that the reference may be to the prayers of the husband and wife together. That's an extremely good thing to do, husbands and wives. And I'd strongly encourage you, if you don't do that, that you start doing that. That you, together, pray. Even if it's just five minutes, you pray together. And do that. Um, And uh, so some think this is talking about hindering that type of prayer, the prayer of the husband husband and wife together. But I don't think so because... Peter is addressing husbands specifically in verse 7. That is addressed to husbands. That your prayer, your prayer, husbands, husbands' prayers may not be hindered. And in verse 8, he returns to addressing everybody. Finally, all of you. He shifts back to all of you in verse 8. And all the way through those earlier paragraphs, it's been slaves, uh, citizens of the government, wives, husbands. He's been addressing them all individually. I'm just making an argument that the, hindering, the prayers that are hindered here are most likely the individual prayers of the husband that, uh, that are going to be hindered. Uh, <clears throat> so husbands, if you are not yet awakened to the importance of obeying these commands to treat your wives with understanding and honor, this should get your attention. How much progress are you going to make if your prayers are hindered think about it think about it it's quite a statement quite a statement it's it's obvious that the god to whom you pray is observing how you treat your wife I mean, you know, we say that kind of thing. We believe in the omniscience of God. But this text tells me (laughs) that God is observing how, men, you are treating your wives. He's observing that. And that is going to have a reflection into how he hears your prayers. Wow. Wow. That's pretty serious. It is serious. Now, ladies, these words reflect God's care for you as He is more than willing to chastise your husbands for their failure to live with you as they should. This is God's care for you. Okay? Remember when God closed Leah's womb? (laughs) Remember that? Because she was unloved? <laughs> Rach I'm sorry, Rachel, I got I got the names flipped. But anyways, I got it flipped. Yeah, when when, when God saw that that, that uh, Leah was unloved, he opened her room and, and closed Rachel's. <laughs> right? He was observing what was going on in that family. And he took the sigh. Of Leah against Jacob. God does that kind of stuff. Okay. So I, I sense here an expression of God's care, care for you as wives. Uh, <clears throat> you know, this hindering of your prayers is the Lord's discipline, which is an expression of love. Men, if the Lord disciplines you this way, it's because he loves you. And he cares about your household. Isn't that neat? He loves you enough to discipline you. And he cares about your household. Right? That he that He would do such a thing. Not hear your prayers. So, of course, it's what we know, of course that relationship is to be a priority i mean we know that we say that and it's just one more text that points that out that relationship is to be a priority now now of course there are more instructions to husbands and wives in ephesians chapter 5 so i will read this passage as part of these messages on peter ephesians 5 beginning in verse 25 is more well known than the peter passage they both have some unique, significant contributions. The Peter passage and the Paul passage have unique, significant contributions. Husbands, uh, Ephesians 5, Husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her. Of course, you know, that standard is so high. And, and um, may God help us. He gave himself for her, what that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of the water by the word, that he might present her to himself, a glorious church, not having any spot or wrinkle or any such thing. But she should be holy and blameless. So husbands ought to love their own wives as their own bodies. It's the only place that self-love is commended in the Bible. The only way you can do self-love and be biblical is it's got to go through your wife. And you know what? It does come back to you. (laughs) When you love your wife, love your wife, you know what? It's not the direct love of yourself, but it comes back around. (laughs) It comes back around. As you love your wives, they will love you. It comes around. Amazing statement. So husbands ought to love their own wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it just as the Lord does the church. So... That's the example for husbands. This Ephesians passage concludes with a statement addressed to both husbands and wives. Nevertheless, let each one of you, in particular, so love his own wife as himself. You'll remember that emphasis on his own wife. And Peter does that same thing, okay? In regard to submission to your own husband, let each one love his own wife as himself and let the wife see that she respects her husband. That's that that godly kind of fear, that reverence and respect for your husband. I mean, the teaching of the Word of God is just, um, it's right on. It's contrary to the world's wisdom, but it is perfect. The law of the Lord is perfect. Restoring the soul. And, you know, it's not, I don't know how to say it. The relationship can be complicated at times, okay? Okay. On the one hand, our relationships as husbands and wives are complicated on the one hand. But when you read the Scripture, I mean, there's not that many big things. You know, there's like four or five big things. That's all. And just focus on excelling more and more in those four or five big things. So on the one hand, it is complicated and bewildering at times. But on the other hand, you'll be surprised. Just those four or five big things, they will unravel those other complexities. With those four or five big things operating, the other complexities will begin to unravel. Okay? The Word of God, there's nothing else like it. And, and, and um, so I'm just encouraging you to not be discouraged. And you could probably write down those four or five big things. Uh, you could write them down. And they're, and they're coming out of these passages here. So, <clears throat> the teaching of Peter and Paul in regard to the treatment of women far transcends the common attitudes and norms of their day, absolutely, um, uh, their statements in these letters uh, transcend the, the Greco-Roman thinking. Uh, and I mean, they were not all barbarians. Some of the some of the the, the, the Greek uh, moralists or the Roman moralists they had natural conscience, and sometimes they say some pretty cool things about respecting that that men ought to respect their wives. Uh, but they never place women on this joint air foundation of equality and equality in the religious relationship to God. Never. Never. Okay. They, they never do those kinds of things. It's the gospel that, that, that does that. So I just have a few uh, concluding thoughts here. Um, <clears throat> some of you may need to make some significant changes. Okay. So do it. Uh, think about I mean, take this on just one change, okay? Don't don't make it too difficult. Just one thing, men and women. Just one thing. Just take on one thing. Say I'm going to work on one thing. Just just one, okay? Don't try to do it all at once. Anyone, just pick one thing, and say, you know, I'm going to work on that one thing. And And I'll do this. Don't tell your spouse which it is. Both of you pick one thing, but don't tell each other okay, what you picked. And just go to work on it and see what happens. Okay? Just do that. I'm trying to make it... I, I'm trying to <laughs> encourage you to do that. So, some of you need to make significant changes. And in 1 Peter 3, 1 through 7, there are commands to both husbands and wives... Cling to them and pursue them. Cling to the commands. In all the bewilderment and when you're flat on your back and you don't have a clue, okay? In all of that, just cling to the commands. Alright? The Lord commands me to do this. Okay? The Lord Commands me to forgive. Period. Okay? There's two different kind, levels of forgiveness. You just cling to that. The Lord commands me not to return evil for evil. You just cling to that. You know, hang on for life. <laughs> cling to the commands. Okay? That will be your progress and your safety. Wives, don't wait for your husband to make changes before you make changes. Okay? You hear me? Don't you dare wait for your husband to make changes before you do. That's the likewise, correct? You are to obey God. Likewise. That's the likewise in all of those passages. Those higher principles of, for the Lord's sake, do these things for the Lord's sake. So you don't wait to do something you're supposed to do until your husband does something he's supposed to do. You know, you want to kill your marriage? Do that. That'll kill it. When you wait for each other, before pursuing obedience to the Lord. Just do that. That'll kill any marriage. Husbands, don't wait for your wife to make changes before you make changes. No. You are the leader. You are to set the example. And I believe this. In one sense, you have More responsibility, husbands, than the ladies regarding this exhortation. Because you are in the position of headship. And it's your headship that has to demonstrate that your marital relationship is a priority. Right? That's right. These are hard things, and I I was no perfect husband, brothers. I'm not, I'm, I give you all this practical stuff because of, of, you know, needing God's grace. That's right. (laughs) So, don't, husbands, wives, men, women, don't, don't wait. Cling to the commands, don't wait. Now, I'm going to talk about the promises in a minute, okay? So I'm, I'm not a moralist, okay? We've emphasized the commands, but we're, there's more than just clinging to the commands. You also need to cling to the promises. But Now, this is not a slam of our parents. But many of us grew up not seeing a good example, rather the opposite. Almost all couples need help at times to make progress. You need help. Your elders can help you. The Word of God is full of wisdom, and it can help you. But many of us, many of you, did not grow up seeing any of this. Okay? You just didn't. And our parents, my parents, were good to me in a in a number of good ways that I've been blessed all my life as a result. But not this area, okay? Not this area. And man, without that example, don't be too proud to seek help, okay? Don't do that. You need help. Help. That is godly help. What happens is, is people get under the wrong kind of counsel. They, they go off to the world's wisdom. It drives us nuts. Okay? <laughs> okay? That kind of thing happens all the time. God's word is just loaded with wisdom. It works. God's Promises and commands—they work. They're not going to always tell you to do what you want to do. They're going to tell us to do what we what we ought to do, and it's tough. And I'm not sitting here saying it isn't. And 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 I I I said it because I don't want you to think that we as elders are some kind of you know superhuman. Men, I mean, we're not. And I wrote it in my wife's eulogy that I wrote that that we could have the hardest of times. And we could also have the greatest and most wonderful of times. Okay? And we had plenty of both. Okay? Okay? We're sinners. What happens when you put two sinners together? You know what's going to happen. <laughs> They're going to sin against each other. And there's going to have to be forgiveness, 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 <laughs> and patience, and patience, and patience. And listening and listening and listening and talking and talking. You know, the, you know the anecdotal thing I told you about talking, you know? My wife and I, we would be millionaires if we had a dollar for every time we talked about talking. We could never get to the subject. We talk about talking. We've got to get to the subject we're supposed to deal with. But so many couples can't get there because of communication problems. You can't get to the subject you need to deal with because you you can't communicate. Proverbs is full of stuff to help you communicate. It's just full of stuff. So so cling to the commands. You're both responsible. Don't condition you doing what God calls you to do on your spouse doing what, what what God calls him or her to do. And uh, we as elders can, can help you communicate. Um, we can do that. Most of us have logs in our own eyes. You know, Jesus is teaching you logs in your eyes. You don't see them. That goes back to the fact that we didn't have godly examples, we grew up without godly examples. And we've got all those logs right there. Even if you're converted, you know, you haven't had to deal with that log yet. Because, you know, you're not married to your roommate. You know, you can still manage to get a log with all those logs sticking out of your eyes. You can live as college roommates. Now, sometimes you can't even do that. But, but, you know, your college roommates, the logs might bother them, but not too much. But when you get married... Those logs in your own eyes that you brought into you bring into your marriage need to be sanctified. And that's why marriage is very sanctifying. You know, I have this list of five things that are the most sanctifying experiences. First is conversion, okay, real conversion. Second is marriage. You know, you want to make progress in sanctification, which you all should get married. <laughs> that will that will begin to help you make progress and deal with you know tiggerism you know i'm the only one you can ask me what tiggerism is some other time so um, <clears throat> okay so god's word has the wisdom which you need god's grace in Jesus Christ, promises you the power that you need. That is so true. And you are going to glorify God by depending on those two things. The wisdom that you need and God's grace has the power that you need. And through that, you are going to um, uh, glorify God. And that's what you're called to do. So, I hope I haven't discouraged you. God's grace is greater than all of our past. <laughs> and everything in the, it's greater than all of that. All right. Let's pray. Father, we are, are seeking to be honest, honest, um, before you and you know us through and through that's a wonderful thing and and you love us lord unconditionally and in spite of our behavior uh, in spite of all of our years of not being converted and all of these things lord you you it's an amazing thing that we are the bride of your son oh god Help us grasp and get a hold of that. Lord, thank you. I thank you for calling us and giving your life for us. Help us as husbands and wives, Lord, to cling to your commands and your promises. Lord, we acknowledge we need help. We need help all the time. Protect us, Lord from the sin and the evil of our own hearts. Remove the fog and the confusion at times that is in our heads. Oh, Lord, ah, we commit ourselves to You. Thank You. This is Your plan. Enable us to follow it. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.